Welcome back to the Life Change Podcast. Guys, welcome to the show. It's uh, me, Dr. Bo, and Chelsea Nelson, RD, CSO, WMLD. <laughs> Reading your scrubs. That's me. Yes, I only have one pair of scrubs that says that. Okay, what's the CSO? Uh, certified Specialist in Obesity and Weight Management. Okay. Way too long. Okay. I got that certification back in December. Oh, yeah. Maybe December of the previous year. Oh. <laughs> now that I think about it. A little mom brain going on. That's right. Yeah. So I think uh, it was a year and some months ago. Okay. And what uh, what encouraged you to go down that pathway? Um, Mostly all of the recent like weight loss drugs. Um, I had not, I mean, none of those were around whenever, most of the new ones weren't around whenever I was studying. And mm -hmm. so it was just like, hey, I need more knowledge on all of that and how they work. And that was part of that course um, and certification. So that's what I chose. Would you encourage, would you do it again? I'd do it again. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it makes you a specialist or any like an expert in obesity, mm -hmm. um, but I would do it again. I think what makes you an expert in obesity is just working in obesity for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just experience. Exactly. No course can define it. That's right. It's complicated. Um, with the, was that with the new medic? You're saying the new medications? Are you talking about the GLP one receptor mm -hmm. agonist? Right. What was their takeaway? Mechanism of action. That it, uh, uh, disclaimer that that is not what this podcast is about. <laughs> <laughs> so tidbit, um, their take on what those medications affect. So like when we talk to our rep and stuff like that, they'll talk about you know it's going to affect the gut level hormones and then the brain level hormones. Their take was really just more so like the gut level hormones mm -hmm. um, and affecting satiety, um, so fullness basically mm -hmm. and appetite um, so that was pretty much it um, they don't really talk a whole lot about how it affects like insulin resistance or anything along those lines but that is the biggest element of it that is the biggest element of it yeah yeah so uh, that's correcting the insulin resistance yeah so they did talk a lot about too though which I thought was really good if you're gonna be on these medications you know it's also gonna require lifestyle changes so that was a really big push that was honestly probably the biggest push was mm -hmm. hey yes weight loss medications have a place here's all the different ones and how they work but it needs to be done in conjunction with lifestyle change so that was a big takeaway but I think it's kind of common sense right uh, it's common sense in our <laughs> advice giving I don't know if it's common sense and living for sure um, and, you know, the, the, I think all medications out there are all intervention, surgery, weight loss medication, program, weight watch, whatever it is. If you're not working on the overall lifestyle, it's probably not going to do well long term. Right. Right. Once you get off of it, probably going to go back to where you were. And, you know, we're going to, the, the point of this podcast is the, the cost of obesity. Uh, and this will be following a podcast that's the cost of surgery. And so we wanted to do a piece on, all right, now I've, I'm, I'm equipped with the knowledge of how much something like this costs if my insurance doesn't cover mm -hmm. uh, or if my insurance cover, what, you know, there's costs associated with that too, pers sure. personal cost. Um, and then, so now you got to be equipped with, well, if I don't act on, um, if I don't do this, like what is the cost of not, not going down that road? Right. Now I forgot what my original point was. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I haven't mastered uh, the mind reading yet. Oh, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> so we were talking about, oh, oh, the, but if you look at just across medicine in general, uh, we're really trained with well, not trained, but I, what we end up mostly being in the doctor world is somebody that hands out prescriptions to manage problems that you have. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And then we're not really, we're, we're given some advice. Well, if you lose a little weight, you could get off this blood pressure medication or this diabetes medication, but we're not really, mm -hmm. uh, physicians really aren't in the job and the business of telling you really how to do it. 
For sure. And so then this the society that you took this through is they're mm-hmm. they're trying to change that narrative of like, hey, yeah, these medications can work with, right? Um, and you know, I think anyways. We'll it's a, you know what it's a certification they opened up to other practitioners not just dietitians so mm-hmm. like nurse practitioners PAs doctors um, because I think that's the hope right is that more people in different disciplines start understanding more of that so mm. I think for me that's why it felt a little bit basic <laughs> the course did yeah um, because it was like well we got to like wrap all these other people in who don't know like the basics of the nutrition component. Yeah. Well, I mean, you went to, you went to dietary school, went to medical school, and I'm sure you got a lot more conversations about food and health uh, than the medical doctor side of the house did. <laughs> I sure hope so. Yeah. Oh gosh, I hope so. <laughs> but now we're doomed. Right. We're doomed. Yeah. Um, all right. So just some general numbers on the cost of uh, obesity. And these are, these are industry numbers, uh, global mm-hmm. numbers, and Chelsea and I are going to try to drill down on personal numbers. Yeah. Uh, but obesity in America right now costs uh, about $147 billion mm-hmm. uh, to treat. This isn't like diets and supplements. Right. This is just to treat the side effects of obesity. And if you include overweight, defined as BMI of 30, uh, well, actually, that'd be a 20. Yeah, BMI yeah. of 25 technically and above would be overweight. Yeah. Uh, that number goes up to $1.7 trillion. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean, I don't think that means much to anybody personally. I mean, you could do, you could divide it by the population, subtract out, you know, the pediatric population and say, all right, this is what right. the, the, your number, just like you could do, you know, national debt. I think we currently owe about $280,000 a piece mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. breathing humans in the United States. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and write, write that check and right, clear yeah. my name from the old debt. Ditto. Yeah, me yeah. too. You too? I'm just, okay. Yeah, it's going to bounce, but. <laughs> I'm sure they'll give me some kind of tax break for that, right? <laughs> right, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but, you know, how, what does that mean to us individually, personally? Well, so I think we can get analytical and say, all right, well, I have insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I got a premium I, got, I have to pay. And that's usually, for most people, that's split with your employer. Uh, The employer picks up the the biggest part of that, 75%, 90% of that. And each individual employee pays 10, 15% of that premium. And then you have a deductible. Mm -hmm. And then you have a max out of pocket. And then you have a family max out of pocket. And um, uh, I'm probably the worst person to talk about this because I don't believe in insurance. I don't have I probably won't go to details on that, but I don't have traditional insurance. <laughs> right. so I don't, I don't really, I don't, I don't play those games. Uh, but for the, for, for most people as a healthcare consumer, you're going to be writing a copay check mm-hmm. uh, for whatever visit you go to, whatever test you get ran, whatever mm-hmm. surgery you have. And then that you, that's going to build up to a, a, a max out of pocket of mm-hmm. some sort. And yeah. most consumers would know that that's been raising over the last few years. For sure. Um, and probably will continue to raise when we talk about one point, you know, one hundred forty-seven billion dollar cost of yeah. of obesity and one point seven for for all comers. Um, so, where do you go from there? How do you really drill down and decide? All right, I I'm looking at doing this surgery, and I either my insurance won't cover, so I'm gonna have to pay X amount out of pocket. Um, uh, or my insurance will cover, but I'm still looking at a $3,000, $5,000 deductible. Um, I mean, if you want to get business about this, I would talk about return on investment, a little ROI, mm-hmm. uh, or 
you're in the real estate, you know, cap rate, you know, when am I going to get a certain part of my money back? Mm -hmm. uh, break even. Yeah. So how do you think about that? Uh, so I think it's easiest to think about it annually for me, just because it's like, okay, most people have annual cost, right? Like you mentioned, you've got your annual cost for your premium for your healthcare. Uh, and then you've got your deductible, your out of pocket, things like that. Um, so I kind of break it down like that. And I think it's easiest to look at it year by year, just because things do kind of change. But also when you're considering surgery, um, you know, the idea behind this is, you know, should I, is it better for me financially? Let's just, you know, take it from a financial standpoint. Is it better for me financially to just, you know, put these band-aids on my problems that are related to obesity? Um, or should I just like pull the trigger and go ahead and like pay for the surgery, even though maybe my insurance doesn't cover it? And like, when is that, like you said, when is that return on investment going to come? Um, so I think you got to look at just healthcare costs in general, which varies, but I, I mean, I think for most people, like when you look at your like max out of pocket, I think you're looking at at least five grand these days, you know, like a yearly max out of pocket for about 5,000, wouldn't you say? Yeah. From yeah. what you see. Mm -hmm. So looking at that, looking at your copays, looking at uh, cost of prescriptions, um, and then looking at other costs too. Um, so let's say, uh, I don't know, your obesity is causing you to have joint pain and then you end up needing a knee replacement, you know, so there's, it's a big web. Mm -hmm. Or injections to limp you sure. along to your knee replacement. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's medicine 2.0. If, yeah. you're, if you're reading the same book I'm reading. <laughs> I am reading the same book you're reading. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, the it, industry lives on this. I mean, mm -hmm. this is, I mean, they, I mean, not, not to get too conspiracy theorists here, but, you know, if we don't fix the problems, we always something to have something to treat and make money on, right? That's right. You stay in business. That's right. Yeah. So there's the, the physical costs. And so if I was looking at it as, uh, say, I had a $5,000 deductible, my insurance did cover. And for the past 10 years, because I had diabetes or sleep apnea or hypertension that I had to see a cardiologist and stress test, mm -hmm. I mean, your return on investment is one year. Absolutely. Yeah. Quick and easy. And that's yeah. like, and then you get into medications yeah. and all of that. And it's like, yeah, a year for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty quick return because it can be intimidating, right? 5,000, mm -hmm. 3,000, you know, to pay cash, 10 to 15,000. Uh, those numbers are, are, are intimidating. I mean, mm -hmm. money's money. Um, but you have to kind of step back and, and look at, you know, what all other things you're having to spend money on. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, don't, I guess if you listen to this, don't be uh, convinced that you need to meet your max out of pocket every year. <laughs> that, I know people like that, like, oh, I'm going to go and hit sure. it early so I can, you know, I can juice it at the end of the year, you know? Right. Um, and then I think the real point that I kind of wanted to get to, uh, in this conversation was it, it's not just money, mm -hmm. right? It's, right. it's involvement with family, it's mm -hmm. trips, it's work productivity, it's, um, just enjoyment of life in general. And what's the value of that? Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm somebody that, um, you know, I, I have to buy a seatbelt extender every time I fly, you know, uh, it's so, and that, that's not just a cost. That's like, a, that's a mental cost. Absolutely. Right? And I think we don't often talk about it in medicine, but what's just, what's the mental component of being overweight, uh, being obese, being morbidly obese. And what is the, what is the overall value of, of, of that issue? Mm -hmm. Right. For sure. Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, I think you can also look at, like you mentioned, productivity. Um, 
employers who cover like bariatric surgery, for example, I mean, they're not just covering it because they are being nice to you and like yeah. giving you this benefit. They want you to work harder. <laughs> they want you to work harder. Yeah. So, you know, they've done that research and they've seen, hey, if if our people ha- have the ability to get this surgery done, they work better. They make us more money. Like it's a it's a return on investment for them as yeah. well. So there's a lot of things like that. But the mental component, gosh, I don't think you can really quantify that, hmm. but I think it's probably the biggest one. Yeah. I mean, if you look back, say, say you do have weight loss, weight loss surgery in your, in your fifties and you look back and you start analyzing the 20 years that you spent, you know, uh, at not a good weight and not at a good mindset. You weren't, you weren't in the game with a family mm-hmm. per se, kind yeah. of sitting out things. You were on the struggle bus. Yeah. And I think most, most people have, have experienced that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, not, not, not to compare, but I tore my knee up in high school and, um, and, you know, being on the sidelines for six months, watching your buddies run around, you're like, dang, I wish I wouldn't have tore my knee up. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is what it is. Well, and that's the things we hear the most from people with surgery. I always ask, um, you know, my first visit with people, what brings you here? Like, what are you motivated by? Um, mostly to catch and see, you know, are you motivated only by the scale? But that's like almost 0% of people, mm-hmm. you know, and it's always, um, you know, I, w- I have grandbabies. I want to be able to get on the floor and get back up. I want to play with them. I want to go to their soccer games or like for their own kids. Like, Hey, my kids are active. I got to have the energy to keep up with them or the things that we hear. Like, I don't want to wear a seatbelt extender on an airplane. I want to be able to ride the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the, those are the wins that people really experience after surgery. So I think that's, you know, that's the biggest one for uh, the mental component. I think with, with weight loss surgery and the cost. Yeah. So it's hard to put a number on that. Yeah. I don't think you can, but it's big. Yeah. And that goes back to too, like people not ever saying, Hey, I regret having surgery. I just regret not doing it sooner. Yeah. Yeah. So you hear a lot of that. Now I was just thinking about this this weekend. Um, you know, uh, I think a lot of people don't get motivated to, to look at weight loss surgery or making significant, you know, getting help with lifestyle change until there's a significant event or uh, a medical cost mm-hmm. you know it could, it, it could even even be a family event like oh my dad had a heart attack sure so now that's called me to 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 be concerned or you know you know my my wife won't sleep in the same room with me because i snore so loud mm-hmm. like there's some yeah there's something a, a call uh and if, if you're reading the same book i'm reading uh Me- medicine 2.0 versus medicine 3.0 mm-hmm. looking at at early, like, Hey, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I can't get out and, you know, throw the football or kick a soccer ball with my kids. Uh, and then, you know, I think commonly we boot that down the road for another 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so going back to the costs, like, what are you missing out on? What are you, mm-hmm. what are you going to look back and, and wish that you could have been a part of or been involved in that your weight kept you from doing mm-hmm. or your, your health level kept you from doing. Um, so, you know, it's not just, you know, one year of lost involvement, you know, what, I mean, it it depends on how old you are, but it's half your lifetime or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a quarter of your lifetime. Um, And specifically, you know, what, what value does that have? Right. It's got, this got to be way too serious for podcasts. (laughs) But it's true. Yeah. It's something you got to talk about, I think. Yeah. Does it concern you like personally? Like it's what motivated me to get healthy. Oh, gosh, absolutely. So part of this book that we're reading um, talks about longevity, right? And it talked about in the very beginning, like if you have people in your family, specifically women in your family who've lived past the age of 100, 
like chances are you're going to live a long time. I have a lot of those in my family and it terrifies me (laughs) because I don't want to be like 80 or 90 years old and having terrible quality of life, you know? Um, So yeah, absolutely. I think that, I mean, it's probably at the forefront of my mind most of the time. Yeah. Have I told you my philosophy on my personal health and wellness journey? Uh, maybe. Yeah, probably. Well, it, this is a one-liner. I'm training to be 90. Okay. Because uh, like yeah. you, my, you know, uh, even even though my grandparents were relatively unhealthy, mm-hmm. they both hit, you know, 85s and 90s. Yeah. But you look at that last 20 years and you're like, man, I don't know. Um, For sure. And so I think most people kind of see they're like, oh, no way. I don't want to live that long. But like, you're designed to live that long and right. be functional and be fruitful and be cognizant and uh, of value to your community. Um, so I don't, I mean, none of us want to be a leech, right? Uh, <laughs> right. And, and, don't want to uh, be a burden. Yeah. And so, you know, where you, that, that goes into that value conversation. Um, so if anybody wants to know my, my motto, I'm training to be 90. You know, I saw something the other day and I actually told somebody here that I thought of you when I saw it because it said basically like, screw my summer body. I'm training for my 90 year old body. I want like uh, strong bones yeah. and lots of muscle and yeah. stuff like that. It said it in a little bit different choice words, but oh, yeah. I thought it was good. Yeah, no, it's uh. Uh, it's the book we're talking about is Peter Tia's Outlive. Uh, great book. If you, uh, we hope to do a, there's no way you can do a book review of that. Well, we're going to have to do it in like three it's, segments. Yeah, three pages at but a time. But gosh, yeah. it's so good. Um, but thinking about how you age. Mm-hmm. And I think if we'd all be more concerned about how we age, our health and wellness and weight would follow. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I basically changed my whole workout routine based off that motto, right? You know, when you're young, you're trying to attract a good looking mate, you want big muscles and <laughs> you want to, and then, you know, then you get some kids and you can't really keep up with that routine and yeah. you, that, that becomes a bummer. And then you start thinking about, all right, what, what do I need to equip myself with to, to, uh, to be functional at 90? Uh, and I brought, I, I stole this from Atia as well, but you know, if you get through 50, 60 years old and, uh, you know, cardiovascular disease didn't get you, didn't kill you, mm-hmm. cancer didn't kill you. Um, what's most likely going to get you? What's falling and breaking a hip? Absolutely. Right. So, all right. Well, I think I'm I'm not completely out of the woods on heart disease and cancer. Uh, but you know, if I get through that, you know, then then it's all about uh, mobility, flexibility, mm-hmm. uh, core strength, balance. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, if you're not training on that stuff, you're not going to have it. No, especially mm-hmm. the balance piece. I think that one is yeah. one that people don't focus on a whole lot. You know, yeah. it's more just, hey, let me build that muscle. Yeah. But then you got so much muscle, you can't move. I've been You're there. so big. Could you imagine me? <laughs> You've no, been kidding. there? <laughs> <laughs> Humble uh, brag. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could bench. Nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, so just along the cost of obesity, what else? Um, you know, I would also say the mental load. I would kind of describe it as that. So people who struggle with obesity, I mean, it's something they're almost always thinking about, Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, they're thinking about their next meal. They're thinking about food. Like it's just all consuming. Yeah. And then the limitations to, you know, kind of how we talked about, but I think that is another one. I think that's another piece. Um, because recently I've talked to a lot of people who three months after surgery, they're like, you know what the best thing is, is that food no longer controls me. I'm not thinking about it all day. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Like, can yeah. you imagine just walking around like with that burden, mm-hmm. that mental burden doesn't leave you any space to think about anything else? Yeah. Uh, it becomes less tempting to me, um, but I'll plug uh, Chelsea's cooking uh, show on YouTube. 
I was planning on doing a 24 hour fast today because <laughs> this weekend was probably not the best nutrition. Rough. So I was going to clean things up and, uh, I walked into our kitchen area and Chelsea had cooked. You describe it. You cooked it. You describe it. Gosh, I cooked delicious stuff. So we made a pesto, a collard greens pesto, a collard green smoothie. Um, we used that pesto on some chicken with mm -hmm. some tomatoes, mozzarella. We made some primal peanut butter cups, some grilled pineapple with mm -hmm. some nice little sauce to go with it. So it was a lot the, and it was very delicious. The Was it mustard or collards? Collard. Collard. The collard green pesto is mind blowing. It was very good. I yeah. even tried it on video and I knew it was going to be good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I had kind of altered the recipe a little bit. And when I tasted it, I was like, oh, actually, this is better than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, oh, along the cost, the yep. cost of healthcare. People, mm -hmm. you know, I hear, I hear this commonly and I used to be in this camp, like eating healthy is expensive. Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you say to that? I, I mean, I do agree. Uh, I agree, but is it, you have to weigh those risks and those benefits, right? Mm -hmm. Is it worth the cost? It's not that much more expensive. Um, and is it worth what you get out of it? Yeah, I think it is. Um, so I think, I think used to maybe that statement wasn't true. Mm -hmm. Um, like maybe for my parents' generation or my grandparents, um, eating healthy was pretty cheap. Like you grew all your own stuff and, you know, you butchered a cow with Chicken another family local, or, yeah. yeah. So I don't, I think that statement used to be true, but um, I don't know. I don't think it is anymore. What do you think? Um, always, it's always the cost, the cost benefit analysis, right? Yeah. I could eat cheaper food, cheaper ingredients, more fast food. Yeah. I'm, I'm filling, uh, it's filling. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think the, what we have to consider is the finances for appropriate nutrition, mm -hmm. right? Appropriate amino acid intake, appropriate healthy fat intake, appropriate, you know, uh, healthy carbohydrate intake. Um, so yeah, I can buy cheaper foods and cheaper ingredients, uh, but what's the long-term mm -hmm. cost of that, yeah. right? That's that. I think that's the whole the whole point of this podcast is like, what interventions and what's the return on investment? And and I get it, man. I got three kids to feed, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there's I know there's people out there with more people to feed than that, uh, <laughs> and so it's a quality consumption. But yeah. uh, if you're not getting the baseline nutrients that you need, which is a whole longer conversation. Uh, you're going to have problems that are going to cost you down the road. Mm -hmm. And uh, now reframe that. I don't think that buying healthier ingredients and eating healthier is more expensive. I think it's actually cheaper. So now we get to do the the test that I told you we were going to do eventually, the project where you and Blue get to go on a, huh? a shopping spree yeah. based upon the average um, like the average amount that somebody in our office spends on groceries per week. Okay. Are you going to do the, you're going to do the survey to get the average amount? Already done I it. Have to, okay. Already done it. So throw it out there. What's the average per week, per month? So if I recall, um, so you gotta, for you gotta one pro, person, you gotta, yeah, you gotta adjust this to yes. the amount of people you're shopping Yeah. For. So that's what I asked him. I said, how much do you spend on average per week for groceries and how many people in your family does that mm. feed? Now, is um, this groceries or food consumption in general? Well, this that's was like, where I, that's where I'm going to make my argument that eating yeah. healthy is cheaper. <laughs> this was groceries. So this was when you go to the store, how much do you spend on okay. average in a week? Well, Cause my, that's what I, I wanted tell you, you guys Ours to do. is going to be comparatively is going to be way more expensive than the average because we just, we don't eat out. Sure. So my grocery bill is going to be higher. My, my price for food consumption is going to be lower. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but I, I'll have to ask, I'll have to go back and ask people how many times they eat out in a week. Okay. Um, this could be a big study. And the, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I've had it for like a year. I've been wanting to do it. But um, the average, so we have what, maybe like 25, 30 people in our office. Mm-hmm. Um, and the average amount per week per person on groceries um, was 50 bucks. 50 bucks. $50. They're eating out too much. <laughs> Could be. Um, so I was included in that. And so I'll That was just, for one person, 50 bucks a person. 50 bucks a person. Okay. I can do some quick math. You keep talking. So for us, for my family, so I have two kids, a husband and me. So four of us, um, I would say, so we almost always eat out on Tuesdays. That's kind of a chaotic day for us. Everybody's got that one day. House yeah. Is, house just, got cleaned or <laughs> right. work went late. Or, you got too many activities piled up. So always on Tuesdays and then probably at least one other time in a week. So I'll say we eat out twice a week. Um, And generally speaking, and this is not those big grocery trips where like you stock up on all the pantry staples like olive oil or like, you know, stuff like that. Um, But I would say in a week, I spend probably about $150 at the grocery store. So there's three for you? There's four of us. Uh Well, three three in general. Yeah. Two humans and And two tiny humans. One of them doesn't eat anything. Uh, so yeah, there's four of us. You could call it three, $150 a week plus, um, plus twice eating out, which is gosh, I mean like 40 bucks a time. Yeah. So another 80 bucks. So $210 for four people in a week. So I just did our, our, my quick math. Uh, so I do all the big shopping, uh, Sam's and large meat. And so we're at about $60 a person per week per week. Yeah. Okay. And we probably eat out once a week. Uh, well, there's one day, Saturday at 11 a.m., you're going to find me a blue sky. It's just going to happen. <laughs> uh, and, you know, our for, for five people at blue sky, that's uh, tickling 80 bucks. Yeah, for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I take, uh, I, I usually don't participate in this, but if I was to take <laughs> all my, my whole family to Chick-fil-A, mm-hmm. that'd be up, up 50, uh, 50, $60. That's our Tuesday spot. So, yeah, it's yeah. like for four of us, it's like 40 bucks. Yeah. Um, so you see where the cost of eating yeah. comes in. So when you eat For out, sure. yeah. like, you know, I can, as, uh, as, as expensive as beef can get in a supermarket, if you go buy it and cook it, it's way cheaper than eating a steak out. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. Uh, if I make, uh, if we make open face ham, we call them smash burgers. But if we make smash burgers at home, you know, I can feed my whole family for, you know, 20 bucks mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with ground meat and lettuce and, the special sauce. Uh, and if I go that like, you know, blue sky would be the equivalent. I mean, that's nearly mm-hmm. 80 bucks, right? For sure. Yeah. So that's I true. argue that it's not more expensive to eat healthy, mainly well, because uh, if you're going to, if you're going to go down a health and wellness route, you're going to eat out less. True. That, that, I mean, yeah, I can't argue with now, that. If I was a, if I was to compare say Chipotle, which most uh-huh. people would consider a healthier meal than McDonald's. Sure. Yeah. Way more expensive. Twi- two eggs. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? I, I can't go to Chipotle for less than 15 bucks a person. Yeah. Well, and I also think about like if you're going to the grocery store and you're looking at ground beef, let's say, and you're just looking at regular ground beef versus the price of grass fed, grass finished ground beef um, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, the, the price is way more. Yeah. Um, I think to get those quality ingredients, it is way more. So when you're comparing the per per unit price, you're saying the mm-hmm. cost of eating healthy is more expensive. I'd agree with yeah. that. Yeah. That's that's I mean, where I'm basing mine. To, to buy like single source extra virgin olive oil versus the Sam's extra virgin olive oil. Right. Gonna, per per liter, you're gonna you're gonna pay more. Yeah. To buy like local eggs that have been raised, you know, well on a farm. 
Oh. Way more expensive. They usually find that to be cheaper, way, actually. Uh, they're about, well, I guess eggs have gone down recently. But yeah. remember when eggs were like $8 mm-hmm. for a carton? Yeah. Then the the local ones were cheaper. It was like 6 bucks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, but now they're back down to like 3 bucks a carton. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that lets you know how quickly they get the chicken production industry yeah, up and running, right? That's right. We'll see what happens after all these floods. Yeah. Well, well, that's price of meat going to go up. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you start looking at the beef that have, the cattle that have died in the painting in the past three weeks, mm-hmm. uh, but you have to realize how large that market is. I mean, it sure. takes a lot to, to, yeah. to influence. Definitely. Uh, I mean, like with chicken and pork, you see large scale chicken die off avian flu or something, man, price of chicken's going up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it could just one part of the country if it goes down. Right. Same thing with pork, but beef it's nationwide for the most yeah. part. True. So if you have a flooding event in the Panhandle, there's still a lot of. <laughs> I to be fair, there's not. I mean, we have we have a. a I think we have cattle, like actually. what sixty percent of the nation's beef production is in Texas. Maybe not in the Panhandle, but yeah. In Texas. But if you look at just the 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 on hoof cattle in America, we're probably. I mean, I have beef producing friends that could quote this uh, better, but we're underserved. I mean, we are drastically, you know, kind of playing with. With fire, uh, hmm. with the the throughput amount. Yeah. So, Interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll see. All right. We're going to take a brief, brief break because our 30 minutes is almost up, and I don't <laughs> think we're done talking. No, not yet. All right. Okay, and we're back. Uh, we're going to insert a sponsor there if we ever get one. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. We don't yet, though. We're, we're <laughs> going to have one soon. I just know it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you got to right. do that networking, though. Yeah. So, you know, I think we wanted to kind of uh, bring it back with t- two points. Uh the, the cost of health and wellness, the cost of being healthy, um, or you know, I guess we're arguing the cost of not, not being, being in health healthy. and wellness and not mm-hmm. being you know, healthy. Uh, but supplements, yeah. uh, I think that's, you know, when people go through specifically the surgery journey, uh, that's always a question and concern, mm-hmm. uh, the cost of supplements. Uh, what what do you say? Yeah. So I like to put it in like daily numbers for people because that's uh, a good focus. So for the switch, you're going to take a little bit more just at baseline. And I generally quote about $1.50 a day. Um, for the sleeve surgery, about a dollar a day. And that's, I mean, that's super manageable. Okay. That number was way different if we were doing this podcast 10 years ago, way more expensive. But now, I mean, supplements are way more advanced and, you know, manufacturing is much better and stuff like that. So, um, a dollar 50 a day, a dollar a day. Okay. Pretty minimal. Yeah. And, and I always argue when people like, Oh, I don't know if I do surgery because of the vitamin costs. I'm like, no, you should be taking those vitamins anyways. For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're depending on what your diet looks like, but more, if we're talking, Hey, we're not being healthy, you're missing out on a lot of stuff. Yeah. What are the outside? Yeah, I'll give you my, my spiel and then you kind of fill in the, the gaps, but common deficiencies we see surgery, not, these aren't surgery people like Just initial in intake. general. Yeah. Uh, I mean, B12, mm-hmm. folate, mm-hmm. iron, vitamin D, mm-hmm. um, zinc, uh, copper, what else? What else? Selenium. Selenium. What other kind of deficiencies we see a lot? That Those are the main ones. I mean, those are the big ones. Vitamin yeah. D, I think almost like every single person. Yeah, if you're listening to this, you're vitamin D you're deficient. You're vitamin D yeah. deficient, yeah. Unless you're supplementing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Both Bo and I were at one point vitamin oh. D deficient. Yeah. But yeah. we are no longer because of supplements. Yeah, I went from uh, nearly deficient to almost toxic. So, yeah. And I felt great. <laughs> uh, I went from super deficient, like a 13 yeah, or 17. Yeah, when, when we first started talking about this, you were yeah. 13. Yeah, and then now it's in the like 60s. Yeah, but how many people do we see in, in the teens? 
A lot, almost everybody. Yeah. If not the teens, the twenties for sure. Yeah. So let's put some parameters on this. Uh, mm-hmm. Above thirty is considered normal. And mm-hmm. Nikoi and Nelson world, uh, below seventy five is you're, yeah, you're, you're still struggling. Yeah, you're still struggling for sure. And uh, you know, vitamin D. I think you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, bone growth. Mm, right. That's right. I mean, what'd you learn? Um, what'd you learn in dietary school? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you think of milk, right? Mm-hmm. And then you think of bone growth for yeah. vitamin D, but there's so yeah. much more. Yeah, what do you think about vitamin D now? Uh, the main thing I think of is hormone production. Yeah. Honestly. Um, what about you? Same thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, I, there's, there's a big argument out there to, that vitamin D is not a vitamin. It's a it's hormone. It's more of a hormone. Yeah. yeah. And when you look at all of the things that it affects or mm-hmm. that it controls the production of, mm-hmm. I mean, you start wondering like, oh gosh, maybe that is true. Yeah. And I, I think it's, um, you can clarify that by also looking when people get their testosterone taken, um, draw like their blood level taken at the same time as their vitamin D. If their vitamin D is low, their testosterone is almost always low, like yeah. 99.9% of the time. Yeah. I think some people would say that's a healthy user bias, but I would just say, no, you're vitamin D deficient. Absolutely. Yeah. I would agree. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, we had something else we were going to cover there. Oh, the cost of doing programs. Like health and wellness type programs. Yeah, like metabolic research, uh, Octavia, Octavia, Jenny Craig, yeah. Weight Watchers, whatever. The list grows. So I looked up Octavia and $17 a day. Yeah. Now, what are they claiming to replace meals? Like? They're claiming to replace meals, but it's generally not all. Like when I talk to people who are on Octavia, it's generally like, I think you have structures that you can, like you can buy everything. You can buy just the shakes or whatever. Um, but they're generally buying like shakes and then adding something to it. Like they're still cooking. Yeah. They're still, or going out or whatever. So they're still yeah. having some type of money spent on food consumption outside of the $17 a day for just their supplements. Yeah. Okay, it's pretty. It's pretty. I don't know. That's pretty steep. stiff price. I yeah. don't. I don't pay seventeen dollars a day for mine. For supplements? Maybe, yeah, for supplements. Ooh, I don't want to calculate mine. Gosh, I don't either. But <laughs> like we, let's see. I take the only things that I take consistently are vitamin D and an omega. Yeah, that's me too. That's consistent. Yeah. Uh, the other stuff, I, I I tell people I take consistently inconsistently. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I have I have a philosophy about that, uh, and I don't want to promote this because it works for me. I don't know if it works for everybody else, but. I, the stress that taking vitamins puts on me, like if I miss it, if you know, I have, mm. I, I used to prepackage them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. And then, you know, I, if I missed one, I'd be like, oh man. So I just change. I'm like, I just keep them in a bottle. When I walk by there, I take some. Yeah. And For it, sure. it, I mean, not every, not every time I walk by the vitamin area of my house, but it, it's, if you think about living, I don't think we were meant to see a consistent supply of B12 right? Uh, or a consistent yeah. supply of whatever. It ebbs uh, and flows. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of those things we can get through our food if we if mm-hmm. we choose good food or somewhat good food. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you know the food production industry, you can't only do food mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to certain certain yeah. vitamins, nutrients, minerals. Uh, but I, I, I just know baseline, I don't get enough sun. Mm-hmm. And I know baseline, I don't get enough fatty cold water fish. Like, Ditto. just not going to happen. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I would love to. I would love a place where I could eat fish all, every day, Absolute, all day. You know? Sure, yeah. Have you done any fish on your show yet? Yeah, we did. Uh, we've done salmon and we've done halibut. Ooh, uh, nice. Maybe something else, but those are the two I remember. Oh, man. Yeah. Good deal. And let me tell you, the salmon was excellent. Yeah. yeah. Brief description, just to tease people over to oh, your YouTube gosh. channel. I think it was like a lemon rosemary, if I don't. If I'm remembering correctly, the halibut was like we paired it with um, a mango avocado salsa, mm. and it was also very good. 
That so. sounds mango. Yeah, they yeah. they were both really good. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. But I don't eat fish that often here. You know, just on my own. Yeah, we uh, so we actually do. Uh, we order fish through. I think it's called a wild. It's wild Alaskan. Mm-hmm. So uh, halibut, um, all kinds of different salmon. So you know, I, before I got into that. I didn't know there was like different types of salmon. Mm-hmm. I, I thought there was wild caught salmon and then Atlantic salmon. And if anybody doesn't know, Atlantic salmon is kind of fake salmon. <laughs> right. Um, it probably never saw the Atlantic. Yeah. Well, there are no salmon in the Atlantic. Um, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So the, that's the reason they Pacific. call them Atlantic. That means they were farm raised. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I never even salmon. thought about that part of it. Yeah, there's I, no such thing as an Atlantic salmon. I got to remember Pacific Atlantic. Whew, we're talking <laughs> geography here. <laughs> East and West, you East know, it's a challenge. West. Pacific, I got it. California yeah. coast. There we go. Uh, but, you know, if you're in, it's, it's like, I, I still call this spectrum eating because if you're going to go get farm-raised salmon from the store, that's still a decent choice compared yeah. to, you know, a hamburger helper, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but if you're going to get snooty about your salmon, then, you know, wild-caught uh, yeah. salmon's always going to be healthier for you. Best option. Especially in the omega profile. Yeah. And that's the whole reason to eat. Salmon is the omega threes, right? But if you go get a farm raised salmon, an Atlantic salmon, well, it's got a ton of omega six in it mm-hmm. because they're 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 feed they're feeding them out their right. the corn. Uh, so Sweet. they're yeah, and they're not even the right color. <laughs> they're not pink. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I I don't think that my supplements are even near five dollars a day. Yeah, mine's mine's south of that. Yeah. So just to give you guys a a ballpark. Yeah, and we're not downplaying that five dollars a day is a lot of money. Right. But it's yeah. the whole point of this podcast is weighing the cost versus the long-term cost of not being healthy. Yep. I mean, a hip replacement, a joint replacement, open heart mm-hmm. surgery, cancer, dementia, yeah. immobility in your older years. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you might look at, you know, my, so my, my grandparents became pretty immobile and, you know, there's a, there's a family cost. Uh, there's sure. a, a lifestyle cost. There's a just nursing and physical like therapy care cost. Assisted or living. Yeah. Uh, not saying that that's not gonna, even if you're a healthy human, you're, right. you're going to avoid some of that stuff. Uh, but you're going to drastically decrease the time needed of those mm-hmm. those interventions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So summary, what would you say? Summary. Yeah. If it were you, I th- this is I. What's your like? What's the point of return on investment? Oh, quick! I think with surgery, mm-hmm. uh, I think you you return that that value pretty quickly. Um, the uh, I had something in my brain. You took it away from me. Dang it, Chelsea. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> the summary. That's where we were going. Does that help uh, you? Yeah, summary. Summary. What was it? But I'll, I'll just keep talking. It'll come back to me. Um, the, 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 the cost of doing surgery, whether you got to pay cash, come out of pocket, which is probably going to be twice as expensive as if, it, if your insurance paid for it. Right. Um, now, that when you're going an insurance route, you're, you're going to be spending more days away from work. Mm-hmm. more copays because there's a lot more required to get insurance to pay. So you got to calculate that in. Sure. Like if I, if I can knock out my cash journey, my self-pay journey in two weeks and I only missed, you know, a total of eight hours of work in mm-hmm. that time period. Whereas if I go the cash route and I've missed eight, sure. 10 half days, yeah. you know, there's a lifestyle cost because now you can't take a vacation and there's a financial mm-hmm. cost uh, as well. Yeah. Um, so there's there's that cost. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. I I personally it I don't shy away from spending money on my health mm-hmm. uh, because I realize I can I, I can either spend it on my health or I can spend it on my sickness. Mm-hmm. You make the choice, right? But you will be paying for one of those two. You will be paying money to be healthy, whether it's 
you know, gym memberships or exercise programs or supplements or food. food. Yeah. I, I should have started with food. That's the biggest one. <laughs> the biggest yeah. one, yeah. Uh, or you're going to be hitting your copay to see your cardiologist and stress tests and, you know, this and that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you're going to pay somewhere. Eventually, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. And I do think it in the end, and for some people, it's like, you're going to pay now or later. But for some people, it's like, you're going to pay now or now, you know, like yeah. it's, you're to the point where it's like, you're already nearing yeah. that knee replacement. Yeah, I'm, or, glad, I'm glad you brought that up because that, that's most commonly where we meet people. Right. Is you can, you're going to pay money now or now. So yeah. It over. <laughs> so like, yeah. So uh, you might as well get the outcome that yeah. makes you healthier in general. Yeah. And that's the reason I brought the lifestyle into it or the, the, what, what quality of life, what am I getting out of life is if I'm, if I'm looking at a knee replacement, my doctor's already told me the, the famous bone on bone statement, right? Right. Uh, which I don't. Another podcast on that yeah, later. It's, it's, it's always bone <laughs> on bone. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, but, and you're looking at that, but you're 150 pounds overweight and you know, you want to get that knee replaced and get back to a healthy point where I can utilize this new knee, mm -hmm. like you've, you've got to address the health and wellness component. You've got to address the yeah. weight component as well, or getting your knee replaced is only going to lead to further problems. Right. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Is that the summary on the cost of being healthy? Ooh, the you cost know what? Of surgery? Let, let's add one little thing here okay. at the end, because what we also get is, ah, well, surgery in Mexico's cheaper, cheaper. Yeah. right? So what about that? I mean... I have a lot to say about that, but <laughs> yeah, I, two I mean, things. Uh, it's pretty I, quick. Yeah, uh, well, two two big things. Number one, you you don't really know what quality you're getting mm -hmm. uh, because we all know people that went to Mexico had a great experience. Sure, no complications. Came back, cartel didn't get them. You know, <laughs> they didn't get no, kidnapped. No major complications, <laughs> right? Um, and we also we also know plenty of people that have had a really bad experience: mm -hmm. leaks, bleeds, yeah, significant dysphagia, significant vomiting. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's not like they have a, a, a tracking system in Mexico of quality of bariatric surgeons. I mean, not that we do a great job in America, but you can do some research mm -hmm. on what you're doing. Um, so summary there is: if it if it goes well, it goes well. If it goes bad it's bad it it's goes like usually really, really bad. bad yeah uh second thing is they don't get any education mm -hmm. there's absolutely Zero. no education uh in the patients and i know everybody heading down there because i'd be the same way it's like well i don't need it i'll do it myself mm -hmm. I'll, I'll i'll do that on my own yeah how has that worked for you thus far right yeah right it's <laughs> uh it's you know you need that accountability you need that mm -hmm. contact point you need that and so then you have to ask yourself if, you know if i uh, i'm going to save three thousand dollars by not having it done we'll just use the market we know yeah right i know the cost here i know the cost in mexico yeah it's about so 3, on average you're going to save about three thousand mm -hmm. dollars if you go down to mexico because you got to factor in flights and room and board and mm -hmm. surgery itself and time off work and yeah you know things of that nature um and you know if you take a family member with you you gotta calculate that in there too yeah um and so I, I, one could argue you probably, you're probably not breaking even saving $3,000. Uh, yeah. After you, know? you think of all of that, you honestly are probably breaking even. Like yeah. it's probably the same as doing it here. Yeah. And let's say only operate on like the weekends in Mexico. Mm. Maybe, maybe that's the situation. Yeah. Maybe so. I yeah. Don't know. Uh, or just whenever. So nobody's missing any work. So that doesn't go into the calculation. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. So, you know, in every decision you make, I mean, you got to look at the overall mm -hmm. cost, not just the price tag. For sure. Right. Because if I'm just looking at price tags, um, then you know, I'm not going to have all the, I'm not, be, I'm not going to be equipped to make the decision I need to make. Yeah. But like I said, just, just that, just to reiterate that, like if I'm going to Mexico, I got to calculate time off work. Cause if I stay in Amarillo, 
It's the day to have the surgery, usually on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I don't work Friday. I'm usually back to work Monday, Tuesday. That's right. Absolutely. Right? So I miss very little work. Mm-hmm. I take very little time off. I don't drag my husband, mother, friend mm-hmm. to Mexico with me because you got to calculate the cost of them too. For sure. Um, and then, God forbid, if I have a problem. The added cost of that, yeah. which adds up so quickly. I mean, yeah. within weeks, ultimately. Yeah. And, and I mean, man, we're, we're kind of extending this point. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so say I, I'm going to Mexico because my insurance doesn't pay and it's cheaper. I can save $3,000. Okay. So if if I go down to Mexico and say I get a surgery and another challenge here, you don't always really know what you're getting yeah. when you go to Mexico uh, procedure-wise. I mean, they may tell you one thing and you get something else. Yeah. I've got matter. some stories on that. What we are you can gonna talk hold about them later. Account? You're going to sue them? Uh, you can't. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Uh, so say uh, you come back and you have some significant nausea and you were never educated on what to do in that situation because they don't. I mean, they may no. give you a little sheet or something. And then you go to the ER because you're so nauseous. Mm-hmm. Calculate the out-of-pocket. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Calculate the max out-of-pocket. That's mm-hmm. got to go into your calculation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, Maybe so, you get dehydrated. You got to go get some fluids. Got to yeah. calculate that too. You got to calculate because you got you got nobody else to go to. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Don't go right. to Mexico. I think. I think. Well, I mean, <laughs> ideally, I'd like to say that, but I know why people go. I mean, they I go mean, for I finances. Yeah. You know? I just don't. So, for me personally, when you look at the numbers, it just doesn't make sense to go to Mexico just with the risk and the benefit and you know all of that. Well, that, you're taking a lot of risk for you know max you're saving three thousand dollars yeah the, the minimum you're, you're breaking even right um uh, so unless you really want to see a tijuana i mean i don't know the beautiful aspects of tijuana <laughs> it is on the pacific there yeah. are no salmon there though <laughs> too far south too far south and if they are there you probably don't want to eat them yeah, yeah. it's probably not the right color <laughs> <laughs> okay all right uh, well we beat up the cost all right all right thanks guys